I began to brand myself as the creepy guy because I just couldn't get work. And I had a really nice cinematographer who said, Bill, you're going out for soccer dad roles, but you look like the soccer dad that's going to eat the team. That is Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Oberst Jr. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Bill Oberst Jr., thanks so much for being on the show. Please tell my audience who you are and a history of your acting experience. Um, Lee, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be able to kind of relax and talk because I know that your audience is mostly actors, so it's nice not to have to be on. You know, I know you know what that's like. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm an actor. Surprise. Uh, like everybody else in L.A., um, and uh, people who want to check me out and see what I've done as background for this interview can Google my name, Bill Oberst Jr., or you can actually Google Creepy Torso Actor, and uh, I kind of own that page, which I didn't mean to do, which we can talk about if we talk about branding during this interview. And you get my IMBD page, and you can see the various stuff that I've done. Uh, I'm a film and stage actor by trade, and I did that for 16 years, made my living at it. I've never had any other job straight out of school into acting. It's all I ever wanted to do. And then eight years ago, I stumbled into moving out into L.A. Um, by being in a History Channel docudrama, which got noticed. And I moved out to L.A. and planned just to, you know, get an agent there and then come back east. And um, But uh, Los Angeles won't let you do that. It either spits you out or it sucks you in, one of the two. So... That's how I came to be um, in the Los Angeles area, living primarily in Hollywood. I also have a home back east, and uh, I am trying this year for the very first time when I don't have to be in L.A. to come back east for my sanity and walk on the beach a little bit. That's where I am now. Uh, What city are you in? Uh, I'm in South Carolina right now in a little town called Pauly's Island. I have a beach house, and uh, it's very quiet and... It's completely the antithesis of L.A., and that's one thing we can talk about is what L.A. can do to you psychologically and spiritually and mentally. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, I would definitely like to talk about that. Uh, before we get to that, Bill, what is your type? Well, it's interesting you say that because on stage I uh, specialized in historical characters. I had several one-man shows. I played JFK for the Kennedy Library. I toured as Mark Twain, an author named Louis Grizzard. I did stand-up comedy. I played Woody Allen. Um, so I was sort of a, a historical uh, character actor with a real emphasis on literature. Uh, I did a one-man version of A Christmas Carol. So th- when I came out, I came out to L.A. by playing that type on television. My first television role, I was General Sherman, a Civil War general in the History Channel's Sherman's March. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to be out here in L.A. and I'll be this um, historical character actor. But instead, I ended up working in horror because the camera sees your face differently than the stage sees your face. So that's a long way around. But I meant to take it to say that my type now for anyone who has only known about me in the last few years would say, oh, well, he's the horror guy. It's not really my type. But if you don't play your face, you don't work. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you said that L.A. either takes you in or it spits you out. Can you talk more about mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah, it's a very insular culture, and that's not to say anything against Los Angeles or the business there. 
any business, uh, you know, I guess I think back to the days when uh, the American automobile industry was located in Detroit, it's probably much the same way. Anytime you have an industry that's centered, or at least used to be centered in one geographical area, very, very insular, and they only care about what is done there. So if you have credits elsewhere, they don't matter. No matter where you come from or what you've done, unless you're in the rarefied stratosphere of already being a celebrity, you have to start over in L.A. And that's a little daunting because everybody who comes to L.A., you know, if you're an actor, you've got credits, you've done things you think you're proud of. But you have to get it through your head that they don't care. If it wasn't done in Los Angeles, they don't care. So you either have to be there fully or you have to not be there. And if you're not there, they don't care. They won't miss you. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all, but that's that's the truth of it. So what are the main things that you see actors doing wrong who move out to L.A.? Not considering this as a business and not a lifestyle or a hobby. Uh, if you're going to L.A., you should have goals in mind. Why, why am I doing this? Why am I going to put myself through this hell? And it is hell. You know, driving, just being on the freeways in L.A. is hell. Um, it's a very rough environment. And why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You know, do you... I came out there thinking, well, I want to be a movie star, and quickly that you know went away because I realized everybody wants to be a movie star, and it's not going to happen. So what are you there to achieve? A, thinking, thinking of that and setting your goal, and B, once you've done that, making every moment of every day move towards that goal. I know that sounds obsessive, but you have to be. You have to be. It's everything. And no matter how hard you think it's going to be, it's going to be 10 times as hard. So, yes, yeah, so the answer to your question is not taking the business and the city seriously enough. So, I have people who come to me. I live in Chicago and I have people who come to me looking for advice. And sometimes they call and they say, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't been getting calls from my agents. It's been a month since I've booked anything or two months since I've booked anything. I feel like I've done everything I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to somebody who said that to you? Do more. Like what? Uh, I know I sound like your father when, when I'm saying do more, but you know, do better, more, cut the grass better, but that you keep on submitting, keep on networking, Keep on thinking, keep on talking, keep on moving every moment of every day you're at work because you are your own business. If you're looking for your agent to get you work, you're sunk already. That's not going to happen. Your agent can't help you until you don't need an agent. Then when you don't need an agent, then agents are pretty darn interesting in you and then they can help you. But until when you're at the point where you actually need the agent to get you work, they're not going to get you work. And it's not to knock the agent, but agents have to go with their highest dollar client and put their effort into that. So you're responsible for your own career, and nobody's going to call you with a job. You have to go out and get your own work. And how do you do that? Well, if you're in Los Angeles, it's not hard because there's always somebody making movies um, everywhere, on every corner, at every time. And, you know, once the digital revolution came in, everybody can be a filmmaker. Not that everybody should be a filmmaker, right. but everybody, not just like everybody shouldn't be an actor, but now everybody can be an actor. Everybody can be a filmmaker. It's a very glutted market. You want to find work? You can find work. Well, why should I do this if they're not going to pay me? And 
when you start out, they're not going to pay you. Not in LA. I don't care where you came from. You're going to have to work for free. Why do you do it? To get good clips for your demo reel. Why do you need the demo reel? Because IMBD is everything. All that casting directors in LA are going to look at, they might give your resume a 10-second scan, but they're going to look at your IMBD page and do damn more, have better have a demo reel there that showcases you and ex- tells them exactly what you are. And the only way to get that footage generally is to work for free. So I know a guy here in Chicago who moved out to LA about a year ago, and he was saying that pretty much you should not go to LA unless you have uh, at least a clip or a few clips with celebrities in your reel. What do you have to say about that? I would not agree. Um, But I would say don't go to LA unless you plan to have a good demo reel. Now, if you want to be a celebrity or a celebrity brown noser, then yeah, you need to appear with celebrities. And if you've got clips with celebrities, then of course those are going to go first on your reel. That just goes without saying. But there are two sides of the business in LA. There's the celebrity side and there's the working actor side. Um, so I once had an acting teacher tell me that in LA, there's not that much competition. There's just a lot of bodies in the way. Do you agree with that? And then I'd like you to follow that up with who should move to LA, who shouldn't, and when should they go if they're going to? Tell me, tell me again, the, what was that quote again? There's not, there is not that much competition in LA. There are just a lot of bodies in the way. Yeah. It's it's a pretty interesting thought, and you make me think of conversations I've had with casting directors where I've come into the room and been off book on a couple of pages of script. You know, I'll hold it in my hand, my sides, but go ahead and do the work without looking at the paper. And I've had casting directors in L.A. say, thank you so much for memorizing the sides. And I'm like, well, you mean there are people who don't memorize the sides? Oh, yeah, you'd be surprised. So I do hear horror stories from casting directors, and maybe maybe that quote is true in that if you're a dedicated working actor who really does the work, you've got less competition. But you've got more dedicated working actors who actually do the work, just like you in L.A., probably than you would have anywhere else in the country. So it's even if there's a lot of fluff and bodies in the way and people who just want to be actors but don't want to do the work, still, I think you do have more working actor competition there than you would anywhere else. It's like the Super Bowl for actors, for camera acting. I I should differentiate because stage and camera, of course, are two different things. So who do you think should move to L.A. and who shouldn't? And for the people who should go to L.A., when should they do that? What point in their career? I would not recommend that anyone move to L.A., Um, and I say that because saying that is the only way to make sure that the only people that do it are the people who just have to do it. You know, um, ministers that I've talked to have told me I would never recommend that anybody be a preacher, but if you feel you have to preach or die, then preach. And that's the way I feel about acting and about making it in L.A., Uh, There's no specific time because no matter how old you are, young you are, pretty you are, ugly you are, there will be thousands of other people like you in the pool and at least hundreds like you who are equally qualified and as good as you are. So I, I, I don't think it really matters. The people who go to L.A. should be the people who feel that they just have to do it. But I cannot tell you 
enough people who want to move to LA, how tough this is. And I know, I, I know you're not in your heads and saying, yes, I know it's tough, but it's like, if I told you, I'm going to pull out all of your fingernails and each one is going to be excruciatingly painful. You'd know that intellectually. And even if you had a week to prepare for the pain, you'd still scream like a mother. <laughs> gotcha. Um, if someone was dead set on moving to L.A. and they had a year before their time in L.A. was going to start, um, what would you suggest they do? Thinking that they have, they've done some training, they have some credits, um, this is somebody who's very serious about acting and takes it seriously as a business. What could they spend that year doing? That, Lee, is the best question I've ever heard. One, save money. Two, save money. Three, save money. It's an incredibly expensive place to live, and it's often overlooked because we, you know, actors live on emotion, and we get caught up in dreams. And, uh, you know, it's going to be great, and I've got three months' income, but by then I'll have a job. No, you won't. No, you won't. What you'll be forced to do is to get a non-acting job, and then your acting dreams go out the window because suddenly you can no longer go to auditions. So if you want to do it, I always vote for the immersion plan. You have to say, I'm going to dive into this pool of sharks, and I'm going to stay in there and swim. I'm not going to have a home up overlooking the shark pool and occasionally dip my toe in it, but have my nice safe home to go back in. No, get in the pool. So save money. I wouldn't go to L.A. with less. When I went eight years ago, I had four months income, and I got into real trouble. I ran out. So I wouldn't go with less than six months income. And make it a realistic income of what you really think you're going to need to live and pad it a little because it was six months before I got my first paid job out there. I mean, I almost starved. Wow. I have to ask you because I was listening to another interview and I heard you talking about Take This Lollipop and then I, mm. I downloaded the app on my uh, Facebook and I, I did it. Um, can you tell us about that? Yes. Take This Lollipop is um, there are a couple of lessons that I learned out in L.A., and one is one thing leads to another. And Take This Olipop was like that. Now, Take This Olipop is one of the most successful apps in Facebook history. It ended up winning an Emmy. It was tremendously helpful to my career. Uh, and I got involved in it because in desperation of branding myself, I began to brand myself as the creepy guy because I just couldn't get work. And I had a really nice cinematographer who said, Bill, you're going out for soccer dad roles, but you look like the soccer dad that's going to eat the team. <laughs> on camera, not in real life, but on camera, that's the way the camera reads your face. So I started branding myself as, you know, like the guy with the disturbing eyes and got called in for this audition for Take This Olipop, which is the role as a stalker, a Facebook stalker. And we've had over 100 million hits ever since. Uh, the thing ended up winning an Emmy, and um, it was very, very helpful to me. So, but that. That would not have happened. I wouldn't have got a call in for the role unless I had just always been thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm, I'm out of peanut butter. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm the creepy guy. What have I got? You know, take your assets and work them. I'm a big, big fan of branding. Yeah, so talk more about that. Um, what tips do you have for actors who are who don't know about branding? I'm one of them. Well, look, there's there's something that you do. Uh, usually only one or two things that any one person can do that make the camera say, oh, wow. And it's because you're relating to the camera, the planes of your face, 
your personality, your your honesty. It's all coming out on the camera likes to see your face do that. It likes to see your body do that. So that's why Jennifer Aniston essentially always played the same role when she was working a lot. And people got down on her and said she's always the same role. Well, of course. That's what the camera likes to see her do. Um, and that's what makes a constantly working actress to find that sweet spot the thing that the camera really likes to see you do. Toby Maguire was criticized a lot because I remember people saying, oh, he doesn't do anything but make his eyes really wide. Well, dude, the camera likes to see his eyes really wide. So some all of this, you know, it may seem unrelated to acting when you get down into the deep emotional core of what we do, but it's a visual medium and your face has to match the archetype that is in people's brains when they see it. Um, so yeah, branding is just taking what you do on camera really well. That's authentic. You can't lie. But once you find it, marketing the hell out of it. Because casting directors in LA don't have any time at all. They're so busy. And for a under five line role, they'll get 4,000 submissions. It's ridiculous. It's maddening for them. And so anything that you can do to make their job very easy they appreciate. So I became the guy with the disturbing eyes. And when they needed a guy with disturbing eyes, they would say, oh, thank God. Get me, get me that, that guy. Get me that guy. And so once somebody understands uh, what their type is, what their brand is, then how can they how – how, where do you go from there? What do, you, what do you send a postcard to the casting director and say, I'm the guy with the creepy eyes? You can do that, but um, IMBD is the easiest thing to do. It's what everybody looks at. It's the site that owns that, and ha it has us all by the short hairs. Um, your first sentence in your IMBD bio is what shows up in the Google extract when I Google your name. So that first sentence should tell me exactly who you are and what you are. And so once I realized this, I realized the first sentence and a half of my IMBD bio was crucial because if anybody took the trouble to Google me, that's what they were seeing. And that would determine whether they're going to go to the Google page, that and images. So I made my say, Bill Obers Jr. is an American actor known for his disturbing on-screen presence and piercing eyes. That was my sentence. And then I made sure that I had pictures online that fit that brand and that I owned the first two rows at least. Now I own several pages, but that I owned at least the first two rows of my Google image results. Because those are the two things. If they hit your IMBD and your images look good, you got a shot. Then they're going to look and see if you're working. Because it's, the more work you do in L.A., the more work you do in L.A. Because people have hired you in L.A. And they figure if people hired you in L.A., you're good. And they want to hire you in L.A. and so forth and so on. Uh, so, that yeah, that's, that's a part of branding. It bleeds through to your website and your social media and stuff like that. But IMBD is key. Your product in that environment when you step into the L.A. market your product and you want to be the solution to that casting director's problem, you do not want them to have to think, gosh, who is Lee? Where do I, I don't know where to put him. I don't know what to do with him. They need to know exactly what to do with you. It sounds unimaginative, but they're really busy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so you have, uh, you have an agent and a manager, correct? Yes. Uh, at what point did you get the agent and then when did you get the manager or vice versa? I had a manager first. The way that I got out to L.A. Uh, was uh, a casting director, very nice casting director. She called a manager in Los Angeles that she knew because she knew that the manager would answer her phone, <laughs> recognize her cell. And she said, um, I know an actor and I'm, I'm encouraging him to come out to L.A. Would you meet with him? So that's how I got my manager. 
And uh, then I got an agent. I have a different manager now, but yeah, so I, I had a manager first. I'm a big fan of managers because the manager's job is to look at the overall arc of your career. But I know actors who bitch and say, well, I don't want to pay the manager 15% and the agent 10%. But you know what, dude? It's 25% of nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. 25% of what you wouldn't have. Right. So my, my manager and my agent both work hard for me in different circles. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a weird question, but let's see if it works. I just thought of it. Uh, if you had a button that you could press that would give you 10 producers – or 10 casting directors, or 10 directors that would automatically think Bill Oberst Jr. is the best actor I know, which of those would you pick? You mean, would I rather have broad approval among directors, producers, or casting directors? Yeah. Producers. Uh, Producers are the money. Producers are rarely romanced or wooed. I've gotten jobs through producers, and I've gotten jobs through relationships with producers. We we tend to go on the glitzy, glamoury side because the director is the face of the movie. Uh, casting directors are gods or you know demons to actors. We fear them. We want to please them. We grovel before them. But when it all comes down to it, if there's no producer, there's no movie. That's the money. And what you want to be for the producer, again, is a solution to his or her problem. What they need to know from their end is that you're marketable, you've shown you're marketable, you have a fan base, even if it's a small one, you, you've got a fan base, you're going to show up for work early, not on time, on time is late. You're going to show up early, you're going to know your work, you're not going to bitch, you're going to stay out of their hair, you're going to make their job easy. See, that's the thing in L.A., It's you or, or being an L.A. actor, having gone through this hell of being there, what it does for you is if people figure, okay, if you made it seven years in L.A., you know how to show up for work on time. You know how to do your job. And that sounds elemental, but it's not among actors because we can be a pretty flaky bunch, you know? So producers like to know that you are dependable and reliable. Sometimes I get hired not because I'm the best actor for the job, but because they know I'm going to show up on time and not bitch. So do you like L.A. at all, Bill? No. And I don't know anybody who does. I'm not a native Californian. I guess if you're from there, you might. Um, I don't know people who actually say, well, everybody's there trying to make it, trying to do something. And it's fine. But I think of it, for me, it's been a seven and a half year business trip. And LA is my office. So that's why I'm so serious, because I don't want to stay there forever. And and that's another tip I would give actors who come out to LA. Decide up front, do I want to live in Los Angeles the rest of my life? If you do, settle in, get a day job. Get married, you know, find hobbies, find things you like to do on weekends, make an actual life there. But if you don't want to live there, if you like where you're from and you want to come back successful, you've got to ignore everything that doesn't relate to your business. The people there are nice, but I don't think God meant for six to 10 million people to be jammed up together. It makes everybody a little bit irritable. I've never met anybody in, in Los Angeles who was mean at all. If you, It's like everywhere else. If you're nice to people, they're nice back. But it's just a hard environment to live in. But, you know, it's if you're an actor, it's important and you want to do camera acting, it's very important to have at least been to L.A. and had some degree of success there because you'll get a lot of work because of it. Okay. So, Bill, here's the last question for you. If you could give one piece of advice – 
to the acting community that are smattered around the United States listening to this who really are ready to put the work in and are sure that they want to make acting their lifelong career, what would that piece of advice be? That is such a difficult question to answer. You know, because there's these two tracks that actors have to be on, the marketing marketing track and, uh, and the heart track. But I think the heart track is more important. Um, I would say think about why it is that you want to do this so badly and pray to God that the answer is not fame. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if the answer is fame, sit down. Have a real talk with yourself. But if the answer is not fame, if you've got a reason that you really want to do this, you know, something you want to give back to the world, yeah, do it. Do it. you got to do it because when you're 85 years old and you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be talking about the things you tried but wish you hadn't tried. It'll be, you know, the things that you never got to do. And you don't want to be that person. So, yeah, if if you really feel that you've got to do this and there's something you want to give back the world and you don't give a damn if you're famous you just have to do it do it do it with all your heart and soul and no matter how many times you're rejected keep getting back up to find out more about bill and to see a full list of his credits check out his imdb page and website billoberst.com ron morosco the godfather of this podcast We'll be returning for the 50th episode to answer all listener questions. To have your question answered, follow me and send me a message on Twitter, action underscore podcast. I'd like to thank Shannon Wagenman for the great review on iTunes last week. If you like this podcast, please leave me a review and I will personally thank you on next week's episode. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.